we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. This is part two of our year in preview in part one. Also, Mike sat down with Andrew of the Netflix Original Movies Podcast, a.k.a. the Nomcast. They reviewed a huge slate of potential contenders from the most nominated studio of the past awards season that we just had in 2019. That was a great conversation that the two of you had, I must say. Mm. But there are so many movies that you guys did not cover, nor... Should you have, because that's a Netflix-specific <laughs> podcast, so it wouldn't have made sense. It would have left everyone very confused. But we do, fortunately, have a three-part series here and a big show planned for you all today in part two. I am co-host Mike One, co-host also Mike in a minute, and we are thrilled to bring on another special guest to talk about all the rest of the Oscar possibilities for this upcoming year, Michael. Yes, Daniel Howitt, co-host of the Screeners podcast, joins us today. You could find everything screeners pod on their website at screenerspodcast.com daniel is also a member of the nevada film critics society and he is a contributor at nextbestpicture.com for matt negley and company over there we love his work and all facets so become a fan of his do you do you know why i couldn't be a member of the nevada film critics society other than the obvious yeah i do i would leave every pick I have on every ballot up to a spin of the roulette wheel <laughs> every year and eventually I would just get you don't say out. you <laughs> so, don't say but in this case that's exactly why we wanted to pick Daniel's brain uh, at the top of this episode because he did in fact write a piece for next best picture called early Oscar predictions for 2020 and he posted it on February 10th Mike yeah I don't know about you Michael but the Monday after the Oscars mm. I fell asleep at 7 p.m. Mm -hmm. because we were up all night doing our Oscar show. We took the day off. And I hate that day. <laughs> it's a rough day. I mean, we're still doing work that whole right, day. We're, right. like, we're preparing for the next interview. It's not good work because we're not conscious. Work. But still, I was able to finish my work barely in the nick of time to just before I fell asleep, mm -hmm. right? So I'm in my mid-30s now, and I can't sleep more than like six or seven hours. I'm getting into the grandpa phase right. of my existence. I don't know why this is happening, but I wake up at 2 in the morning. Oh, no. I listen to a couple of podcasts. I'm tossing and turning. I can't fall back to sleep. So like a retired drill sergeant, <laughs> I'm starting my day at like 3.30 a.m. What is your malfunction, soldier? So I get down. I have my morning coffee at like 4, right? <laughs> so I'm so lucky because Daniel Howitt's article is right there. Yes, Early God Oscar contenders. We're, we'll go into it with him. And he just made my day. And he started my day off right because I needed to be rejuvenated yes. about what I was trying to do with, with this whole Oscars business. And that article did it for me because I was like, ooh, this movie. Oh, my God, that movie. <laughs> I was so hyped. He hyped me up. And I, I read it like three times. Go read it on nextbestpicture.com. Daniel's work is also great on the Screeners Podcast, of course. But his words on the page spoke to me. Now I'm really happy that we can talk to him via this podcast. Yeah, me too. And I know you, you want me to take this opportunity to make fun of you. And and that'll happen, don't worry. But I, more sincerely, uh, as far as looking forward to 2020, it's great to have someone like Daniel on for that. And I think because of his hard work and the hard work of others that are in this industry and in the space that produce pieces like that and content like that, you're right. It absolutely does rejuvenate us, and we needed rejuvenation after this Oscars sprint was over, this one specifically because of the truncated schedule. So you look at 2020, I think you uh, you and Andrew did a fantastic job previewing Netflix. Cool. Uh, talking to Daniel is going to be a lot of fun. So looking forward, and now it's 
yeah, I can't wait for 2020. I can't wait to talk to Daniel. And and while he is a must-read at Next Best Picture, his podcast, I would say, is also a must-listen. Make sure you subscribe to the Screeners podcast. And we are both very hyped up to talk to Daniel Howitt about his reinvigorating article, like we said. <laughs> and all those 2021 Oscar-contending films now uh, will have all his socials during the outro. Here is our chat with Daniel Howitt. We will see you all to talk more about 2020 movies on the other side. All right, on the line right now, Daniel Howitt. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. How you doing, bud? I am great. Thanks for, for having me on here, Mike's. Daniel, you wrote an awesome article for Next Best Picture called Early Oscar Predictions for 2020. I just told a story about it. It, it made my day. It rejuvenated <laughs> me after the Oscars, mm. after I was so tired. So thank you for that, bud. You're welcome. I'm glad I could have that. Uh, I could I could make Oscar morning, post Oscar morning, better for you. <laughs> it was my Tuesday morning, so I like I oh my god, my Monday was so exhausting. <laughs> but Tuesday morning, it reinvigorated me. Go. I turned the page then with your article. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Perfect. So you started that thing with like movies or with movies like Wonder Woman 1984, Mulan, mm-hmm. The Eternals. Mike and I have been advocates for blockbuster movies getting more recognition at the Oscars because in most right. years there's some of the best movies going and they just kind of get you know the people don't look at them because they make so much money yeah Chloe Zhao's got the Eternals November 6 release date looks good can that be this year's Black Panther Patty Jenkins had buzz for Wonder Woman what's it going to take to get one of these blockbusters back into the Oscar conversation do you think yeah, I don't know. You know, looking at the the recent blockbusters that have made it through, obviously the the biggest example is Black Panther. You you, you see something because the release date is off from what's normal Oscar buzz for, or nor, normal Oscar bait for for Black Panther, right? But uh, it was something that just captured the cultural zeitgeist. It just it just hit at the right time. It brought something fresh to the scene. Uh, unfortunately, I don't I don't I'm not sure that Wonder Woman 1984, Mulan, or The Eternals is gonna is gonna do it. Um, you know, I, Wonder Woman came close. The first uh, Wonder Woman, Patty Jenkins' first film, uh, there came really close. So I don't think a sequel is gonna do it. And Chloe Zhao is actually she could be competing with herself. She's got Nomadland that's maybe coming out this year. Um, so that that was on my Oscar early Oscar uh, article for last year. So I don't know when it's coming out, but. She could be competing with herself. So what's it going to take for one of these blockbusters to get back in there? Man, it's just got to hit the cultural consciousness at just the right time to really surpass things. Even if you look at, like, Get Out, right? That that did something very similar to, to Black Panther. Just it was the right movie for the right moment. And uh, I, I'm really looking forward to all of these movies. I, I think The Eternal sounds awesome. I, I'm not sure that I'm convinced it's going to be an Oscar an Oscar contender. Do you guys – are you guys putting that on your, on your short list for, for Oscar predictions? I am – I'm. I can't wait to see them. Let's just say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I, if it's a great movie, it should. Great movies should be considered, in my opinion. Like last yeah. year, Avengers: Endgame to me got snubbed. I thought that was a kick-ass movie. Mm-hmm. I thought it was better than some previous Marvel movies that got nominated. I thought it was. Sure. Like, to be honest with you, I thought it was better than Black Panther. That was just me. Mm-hmm. That was just my. You know how, how yeah, I ranked yeah. them. So I thought. I thought it should have been up there, and I thought Disney, you know, like pulled away from a away from it because they were just happy making however many bajillions of dollars <laughs> sure. or whatever it was. Well, there's something to be said for that, you know. I mean, I mean, a lot, a lot. One of the reasons I love the Oscars, I, just speaking for myself, is that that it can shine a light on smaller movies, you know, small like Parasite, right? We're seeing that this weekend, it, it or uh, the, its first 
post-Oscars weekend, it, it scored $50 million. I mean, it had a massive, right. massive jump in the box office, and that is incredible. And so I love that. I love that that awards can kind of bring recognition, whereas for something like Avengers Endgame, I, I'm with you. I, I think it's a great movie. I, I definitely I love the movie, but, uh, but you know, it made it's the highest grossing movie of all time, right? That's 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 a pretty solid reward, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I think you're right on with saying that you know it's got to be kind of a movie of the moment, kind of in the vein of Black Panther. Mm-hmm. I think there's a chance that the Eternals could touch on that, depending on what happens. It could. Yeah, I get. I, yeah, I, I'll could. get more into that as this episode goes along. But something that might be a movie of the moment as well, and something I think it was actually the first article you referenced, or the first movie you referenced in your article, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, the Trial of the Chicago Seven. This upcoming Aaron Sorkin property, it seems to be, you know, we call it quacking like a duck, walking like a duck. It seems to have the Oscars goods, and yet Mm -hmm. there are red flags attached. You point them out, and one of them is the release date. And we've heard so many times with this past year that just ended how some films that should be huge contenders kind of fell short because they had unfortunate release dates. Do you think this one might suffer that fate or do you think it's September 25th release date is, is good enough and late enough in the year that that can kind of carry some momentum with it? I think it really depends on how good the film is. I mean, that's that's the easy answer, of course. Um, you know, it, it the the release date is very similar to the Goldfinch from last year, yeah. um, which which uh, obviously that movie didn't turn out very good. So, um, <laughs> so that, yeah, to say the least. So, so if if the Trial of the Chicago Seven is is a really solid movie, maybe it can overcome the release date. But with a date like that, the reason it's it's a red flag is it always begs the question. Why not just wait a couple weeks and hit the festivals, and then and then kind of do it do a release date sometime in, later in the fall? So did Molly's game little, go go towards the festivals? I can't remember. Ooh, you know, I can't remember off the top of my head either. I wonder if that um, might be a sorkin. That, you know, uh, um, I don't know if it hit the festivals. I, I, I'm I'm remembering now that that was a very late release date. It was yeah. like late December, mm-hmm. um, like one of those one of those like uh, platform releases in January kind of thing. But yeah, I I'm just always here for a Sorkin movie. Oh, I'm always there for it. So um, I'm I'm really excited for this one. But you know, no courtroom drama has won since like Kramer versus Kramer. So um, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what this is going to turn out to be. I'm not really familiar with the real life story. So I'm just I'm really going off of the the cast, which is interesting. You know, Sasha Baron Cohen and a ton of other people. And then Aaron Sorkin, he's my dude. I'm I'm ready for it. Yeah, we, we, we're with you there. We're both, if I could speak English and not mumble over my words, we're both huge Sorkin heads ourselves. Yes, yes. I so do good. want, I do want a premise or a preamble to one of the statements by uh, one of the uh, lawyers in that movie to be. Well, we know you can handle the truth, but then go from there. <laughs> no, right, I, no, I, I need that. No, I'll leave. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm just right. saying, Mike. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we yeah, have yeah. this year shaping up as possibly the year of the musicals or or where Mm -hmm. we have more legitimate Oscar contenders that, that are big budget musicals, whether you got the two Ryan Murphy movies for Netflix, or you have uh, in the Heights, which you profiled here in this article as well. West side story seems to be quote unquote, the best contender for last. What's the buzz you're hearing about this now? Do you think a straight up remake like this one could have Oscar legs at the end of the day coming out mid December? Yeah, I mean, it, it, you 
you should never really discount Spielberg, right? Even for a movie that that doesn't seem like it's going to get there, like The Post still got the picture nomination, still got Streep in there. So um, I, I definitely don't want to discount West Side Story. Um, it's going to take a slight. It's not a remake of the movie, is my understanding. It's it's a it's more close closely aligned with the the Broadway musical. So you know what difference that makes, I'm not sure. Um, but with Tony Kushner writing it, you know, his who wrote Spielberg's Lincoln, among tons of other things, great uh, legend of uh, of the stage as well. So, I, I'm 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 cautiously excited for this one. It seems it's kind of one of those things. You know, it's a remake of a Best Picture winner, right? Like, can can you really get close to Best Picture when you're a remake of a Best Picture winner? I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see to see what happens with this one. But I'm I'm especially excited for. Um, for Rachel Ziegler, who's who's starring in the movie, I've never seen her act. Uh, apparently, she's been on stage some. I believe this is her first film, but uh, just she's she's a great personality on social media. So I'm I'm just I'm rooting for her. So I really hope that she's good in the film and maybe could break into Best Actress. Which of the remakes of Best Picture winners do you think get gets more Oscar nominations at the end of the day? Rebecca from Ben Wheatley, or Spielberg's West Side Story? <laughs> Well, I mean, again, it'd be tough to bet against Spielberg getting more Oscar nominations, especially with Rebecca. Other than that, and that Army Hammer and and Lily James are starring in it, uh, that's like all we know. I don't know when it's coming out. It's supposed to come out this year. Um, Ben Wheatley hasn't broken into the Oscars yet, but he seems like one of those filmmakers who's like poised to do that. So so I don't know. I'm I'm excited for Rebecca, but if you're asking me which is going to get more Oscar nominations right now, I I have to, of course, say say West Side Story. Yeah, well, remaking Hitchcock might be asking for more uh, pain than the the whole the whole thing might be worth. <laughs> be. Are you a fan of musicals just in general on screen, Dan? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I love especially original musicals. Um, uh, I don't know where you guys stand. It seems like a controversial statement, but La La Land is uh, clearly the best movie of the decade of last decade, in my opinion. <laughs> I love uh, it, and I just rewatched it, and I was dazzled for two hours. Thank it, you. It's good. Oh, I, I right. didn't realize how good I'm gonna it have was, to leave. Mike. Uh, it's, it's been I mean, a pleasure. No, 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 no. Coming I, out swinging like that is. Listen, sounds Daniel, like I'm talking to me. I was blown away the last time I rewatched Thank it. I watched it during Oscar season. I remembered it being really good and, and loving it, but I was so let, let's go down that path to go down that path for a second then you were a huge fan of la la land so do you think they got that wrong with moonlight uh i mean yeah but that's wow. not an insight to moonlight <laughs> i mean i love moonlight i think that's also one of the best movies of the decade so so you know i don't i don't like to kind of get in the in the awards movie awards season mindset where you're pitting two amazing movies up against each other and painting one as the villain because it's not that's they're both amazing, amazing, right. amazing movies. And Moonlight just just being so different from traditional Best Picture winners is amazing. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think Moonlight is genuinely one of my favorite movies of all time. So uh, I'm a stand. Look, I'm I'm gonna own it 100. percent So uh, so yeah, I think <laughs> it should have won. I I think we root for this every year. We root for a couple of great movies being up for Best Picture, and we're usually happy. Like, this year was kind of cool, because we had a couple really top-tier films contending, in my opinion, again. Don't do this, because I know Daniel's on your side. Anyway, Uh I think that year with Moonlight and La La Land, we had a couple top-tier movies. And then we have some old, fogey-brained weirdos who have differing tastes that don't agree with me and you, Daniel. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. (laughs) 
All right. We wanted to ask you about Tom Hanks, because even this person sitting across from me now loves Tom Hanks. He has the same taste in that regard. Tom Hanks is going to be in Paul Greengrass's (laughs) News of the World. Is he over his drought? Or does do you get Captain Phillips vibes here? Is Tom Hanks going to be sitting atop the contender board and best actor this year? Ah, uh, man, I see. I don't want to jinx it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I'm just because uh, because you're right. Like he just he missed so many strangely so many times over the last decade. Uh, okay, I, I got I got to gather my thoughts here. Paul, Paul Greengrass, yes, uh, I think I think he can direct Tom Hanks to another incredible performance. I mean. Uh, it's it's still shocking that he didn't make it in for Captain Phillips, and he absolutely should have been. That's an amazing performance, and so yeah, I think I think he could do it. News of the world. I don't know much about the film other than what I put in the in the piece. You know, I've never read the book that it's based off of, but it just sounds so unique. It sounds very different, and so I, I'm really excited to see, especially Paul Greengrass doing doing a film that just seems so different uh for for his traditional style uh so so I'm, I'm really excited for that one and i really do hope that tom hanks can get nominated and dare i say yes he will be nominated oh wow i mean that'd be great and i'm i'm like you i'm very intrigued to see greengrass's style teaming up with hanks and it's been a while since we've had like that definitive hanks performance so i, I think that he is a director that could bring that out of him uh another yeah. interesting team up between director and talent is what we have coming up in in the french dispatch where we have wes anderson mm. teaming up with everybody who's Everyone. a member of sag <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, that one's coming out a little early as well the trailer just dropped what do you think what do you see in that trailer do you sense some kind of greatness do you sense awards prominence for wes anderson with it well, without question, I think there are some nominations locked up uh, for the French Dispatch. I mean, I think it just looking at the trailer, it's clearly going to get nominated for cinematography and production design. I mean, wow. flat out, I, I would bet so much money that those two nominations—not nominations, not saying wins necessarily—but that it, it will be nominated for those two uh, at least. I like um, it because it looks it looks really phenomenal. Uh, I am not the biggest Wes Anderson person, I will admit. Um, I think his films are fine. They're a little, a little twee, a little, a little not, not quite my thing. But, um, but I do think that now that he's broken through, you know, he'd been nominated before, but Grand Budapest Hotel really, really broke him through uh, in mm-hmm. the Academy. So, so I think I do, especially with his cast, Timothy Chalamet, Francis McDormand. I mean, three hundred other people. I, I think really. <laughs> I think we're going to see quite a few nominations for the French Dispatch, definitely. I'm shocked to hear you uh, intimate that Wes Anderson might be an acquired taste and isn't universally <laughs> He's so strange, know, right? revered. Yeah. <laughs> I went to school in New York. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and you talked about the July release date, which um, definitely, obviously, that's that's outside the normal awards window. Um, uh, you, you guys had mentioned uh, before, kind of kind of relating this release date to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. and uh, which is interesting because because this is also Wes Anderson's tenth film, just like it was for for Tarantino. Um, and and I think it's just the sort of thing where. He's an established auteur. He's been not Oscar nominated before for uh, uh, an abnormal. You know, Grand Budapest Hotel came out in March. So uh, you know, I think it's just one of those things where they're confident enough for his brand that they can release in the summer, and and I I think that that's going to work out for them. 
So another big name who's going to debut his movie in July is John David Washington. Mm -hmm. This is Denzel Washington's son. Ever since he gave up playing professional football, this guy has been acting in one great movie after the next. He has Tenet coming out for Christopher Nolan the week before The French Dispatch. Mm -hmm. Everybody seems to be picking him in their five for best actor right now. What did you see in that trailer? What buzz are you hearing for David Washington and John David Washington and Tenet? Uh, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be so quick to put him in my in my top five for best actor. I hope I'm wrong, um, but uh, cr- I'm trying to think. Am I wrong here? Oh, never mind. I was about to say something dumb. I was about to say Christopher Nolan hasn't ever directed a- an Oscar-nominated performance. Uh, I was clearly forgetting about Heath Ledger there. Uh, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm not so sure that uh, I'm not so sure that Tenet is gonna be a big above the line contender talking about acting or writing or directing or anything like that i have a feeling um that it's just going to be a a technical contender you know uh, christopher nolan really walks that line of is it just a blockbuster or is it a blockbuster that's also awards contender and um so i have a feeling it'll get some you know cinematography some sound awards or sound nominations but uh I'm I'm not sold that it's a an above the line contender. Do you guys? What do you think? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Well, I, I was going to ask you what gives you that feeling because I could see it going either way. Oh yeah, it could totally go either way, and I could absolutely be wrong. I I don't know. I think um, so. I, I actually have not watched the trailer in full um, uh, with with Nolan's films and a few others. I try to, but w- once I know I'm already in, especially when it's a movie that's probably gonna have twists and turns, I decide, you know what, I'm gonna save the trailer. I'm not gonna watch it. Um, but I have a, I, I just get the sense that that this will lean more towards the action, um, uh, towards t- traditional blockbuster stylings than than say Dunkirk um and mm-hmm. so so that's what gives me that sense but but he does walk the line you know another uh, in my article I, I mentioned uh Denis Villeneuve who's who's got Dune coming out mm-hmm. um who also really walks that line between blockbuster and art house you know awards contender so so it's going to be up in the air until we see the film but I, I do anticipate at least a few nominations coming tenants away regardless you know it's definitely one that we're gonna have to keep our eye on and obviously it's just one of the biggest movies of the summer coming out yeah yeah I wonder if the Academy was waiting to give Christopher Nolan a nomination after the whole kind of scandal with the Dark Knight to make them go from five to ten. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. Inception comes along, and it's not only a huge hit, but it really, you know, it's atop the zeitgeist, if that's a possibility. With zeitgeist, yeah. I don't know. But I do think <laughs> that Inception was an easy pick for the Academy at the end of the day. Does, does it build on Dunkirk Inception momentum? I don't know either, but I, I'm yeah. really intrigued by Tenet. It's yeah. got a kick-ass cast. I, I think this movie. Uh, I think this movie. I think that month anyway has proven you can get nominations out of it. Mm-hmm. So if it makes a bajillion dollars, I, I do wonder. I, I'm, I'm rooting yeah. for it, but I think the, the safe money, as you referred to, is probably putting it on technical nominations. That makes some sense. Yeah. Yeah, and it's the same thing with French Dispatch with the July release, right? Same exact thing. It's the established brand of the auteur filmmaker that doesn't need to release in 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 the fall like other movies. Uh, we're talking about you know great auteurs, great filmmakers. Just talking about Christopher Nolan. We've talked about Steven Spielberg. Other than Spielberg's West Side score Story, we have Ridley Scott's The Last Duel. Uh, it seems like, again, quacking like a duck from early word and early momentum that we could hear. If you were a betting man, you being out in the betting capital of the world right now, would you agree with that statement and say that The Last Duel is going to get Ridley Scott, Affleck, and Damon, maybe Adam Driver, or some combination of them back into the Oscars conversation? 
I really do. Uh, it's you know, it, I don't feel awesome about it just because Ridley Scott can be hit or miss. Um, but I don't, I really do feel pretty solid about this project. I think, like you guys have said, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon reuniting as co-writers and co-stars, um, and and then Adam Driver, who is just one of the best you know, best new actors, I say new, but one, you know, he's just kind of bursted out here, uh, back to back Oscar nominations. And so I think he could be back. And then Jodie Comer too is in the film. Uh, she seemed, you know, fresh, fresh off an Emmy win. She seems like somebody who could totally fit the mold of getting a supporting actress nomination for this project. So I, I really do. And then Nicole Hofsner, who's, who's co-writing yeah. the, the project with Affleck and Damon. So all around, exactly like you said, this feels like oscar bait that's not an insult um i think it could be right up their alley so yeah i i do think that this is going to be a contender they are certainly huge names and they have the oscars pedigree uh people that maybe aren't so familiar with the oscars landscape and a genre that's certainly not that familiar with what the academy does is horror and we have a bunch of horror movies coming out this year whether you want to talk about something that's supposedly a pseudo horror film i think you called you called it a horror thriller with edgar wright's last night in soho in your article uh we obviously you know halloween's probably not going to match up match up to academy standards but (laughs) antebellum something from janelle monet might there's some other contenders and yet recently we've had great horror performances, Lupina Nyong'o and us, Tony mm-hmm. Collette and Hereditary, that didn't, I guess, sufficiently, quote unquote, transcend the genre, which is a term I despise anyway. But mm-hmm, what sure. do you make of that idea just in general? What are your thoughts about what horror movies, the mountain, the degree of difficulty that horror performances specifically seem to have to overcome that maybe others don't? Yeah, I think it's just it's it's exactly like you're saying. It's genre bias. It's it's when somebody's looking at a, a stack of screeners and going, eh, yeah, nah, I'm gonna move on to the to the more comfortable film, right? And and look, I'm guilty. I'm not the biggest horror guy, so I think I'm I differ from you guys a little bit in that. But um, with Last Night in Soho, uh, you know, I I really really hope this can transcend the genre the genre bias and and really really break out because he, Edgar Wright is just one of the one of the most unique and and incredible filmmakers that we have right now and he's he's not yet scored not any oscar nomination and so i'm really really hoping that he can break out and then it also stars thomas and mckenzie who who is now 0 for 2 on should have been oscar nominated yes. performances in my opinion dude so, i can't watch anything she's in she makes me cry every time that's perfect that's perfect well hopefully <laughs> she'll make you scream in this one i don't know i don't know what this is about but uh but yeah so i think i think I think there's a lot of potential here, you know, uh, written by 1917 co-writer Chrissy yes. Wilson Cairns. So I, I, there's so much potential with this one that I really do hope that it can be closer to get out than us in its awards prospects. So speaking of those screener piles and what people don't watch, a lot of times the indie feature nominated for one or two things contending or, you know, knocking on the door, people don't watch them. And it's unfortunate. And A24 has been kind of struggling of late, at least the last couple years. They had a good Sundance, though, because Minari came out. Steven Yeun got a ton of buzz for that film. What did you hear from Sundance about the Cuban Missile Crisis spy movie with Benedict Cumberbatch, about Minari and a couple of other films there? Do you think they're going to have legs like some of the old days worth of Sundance movies did. Mm-hmm. You know, the last few years, Sundance movies have not really struck home and, yeah. and gone the distance, but they used to. 
Yeah, yeah, I've I've definitely heard. You know, I did not go to Sundance myself, so I'm I'm talking secondhand knowledge here. Mm-hmm. But uh, Iron Ironbark, it, it seems like from what I understand, a pretty traditional. Uh, sounds like you know I heard a lot of people make references to Bridge of Spies, things like that. Talking about it, oh. it kind of fits the dad movie mold, <laughs> um, which I'm a I'm a fan. I'm a dad. I'm cool. I'm cool with it. So um, <laughs> so so it sounds good to me. So but it, the the review sounded very positive, but almost a little. Uh, cordial, maybe not so passionate. Hmm. Um, so, so I'm I'm feeling like Iron Bark has a shot at Oscars, but maybe it's maybe it's not gonna make it in. I'm not I'm not feeling like it's a, a definite yes on that one. Now, Minari, on the other hand, I've heard a lot of passion about that project. Um, I'm I'm very excited for what that could turn out to be. I think Stephen Yen is you know after burning, I think he has a mm-hmm. really good shot at making the landing on the Academy's radar. Um, in I. You know, at the end of that article that we've been talking about for Next Best Picture that I wrote here, I, I definitely have him getting nominated as, nice. um, and so, you know, he kind of fits the mold for what for it being very optimistic. What what you hope that a Best Actor winner can be, right? He's oh, wow. kind of he's been around for a while. Um, he's got this small film where he really really changes people's perception of him. Um, and then he just kind of comes out being the kind of fresh face to win win the Academy Award. You know, so that's kind of what I'm hoping happens. Maybe again, maybe I'm being too optimistic, but I think I think there's a, a world in which that happens. So again, this is all secondhand. I've not seen the film myself, um, but I've definitely heard a lot of praise all around, not just for Steven Yen, but for the entire cast. So I'm I'm really hoping I'm 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 high on this one. I'm I'm really thinking that this one could be the the film that breaks out in a way that say the farewell the farewell or eighth grade did not big hopes and big promises and those are certainly two more recent indie films that you know, we we especially absolutely loved and thought should mm-hmm. have gotten more consideration at the mm-hmm. academy awards so that'll definitely be something to keep an eye on uh i guess we'll get you out of here on the, these last two kind of questions here and okay. again we thank you very much for for joining us dan and, and we appreciate all the work you do for nbp and all the insight you've given us here today but i, I look I know you're a huge Parasite fan, and I won't hold that against you personally. <laughs> I, I, I'm not crazy about that movie, but I realize I am strongly and definitively in the minority on that. Sure. And my co-host is trying to hold back yelling at me right now. <laughs> can, but, can you hear me sighing? Can everybody, hear me? <laughs> everybody wants to find the next Parasite, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the little movie that could, that just kind of picks up momentum and never stops and goes on to pretty much sweep everything it's in for more or less, at least the major categories. You, you've, you've previewed the entire slate of 2020. You wrote a great piece on it. You have kind of all your nominations laid out for your, your way too early Oscars predictions. Mm-hmm. If you could pick one movie to see right now out of this slate, what oh, would man. it be? And which, maybe as a secondary question, if you had to say this seems to be the little movie that could for 2020, which of those would you say it is right now? Oh, boy. All right. Well, that, those, those are big questions here. That's what so, you get well, for liking Parasite. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm doing it to my man here. Uh, well, well, uh, if thanks for having me on again, and and uh, and it, when you have me on, you'll know that I, I can never answer a, a simple question like that too shortly. So, um, so <laughs> what I'm gonna, what I'm gonna the long answer I'm gonna say is that I did I wrote a very similar article to this last year previewing the 2019 contenders, and Parasite was not on the list. Right? It's it was that wow. little movie that comes out of nowhere to win the whole thing, and so. Uh, if I'm if I'm making if I'm throwing darts here and saying what's what's our next best picture winner, uh, 
I would say it's probably something that I'm unaware of. That's that's what I would say. I think it's a movie that's not on this list, that's not yet on my radar, or or just one that I that I just missed. Not for some reason, none of these movies strike me as oh man, that's that's the one that's winning. And again, we're we're talking about plot descriptions. We're, we're mm-hmm. very few of these films have trailers. Who the heck knows? Um, but. I don't know. I feel like it's going to be a smaller film uh, this year. But if I had to choose something off my list, um, I think the most intriguing project to me, the one that, that I'm, uh, if I had to pick one to watch right now, it would be News of the World, Paul Greengrass's film with, cool. with Tom Hanks that we talked like about it. earlier. I'm just, it just it sounds so intriguing to me. It sounds so different and unique. And so, um, and I'm, you know, Paul Greengrass has only gotten one nomination. Tom Hanks is now kind of brought back in the world of, of the Oscars again. So I'm just really intrigued by that project and I'm, I'm hoping it does really well. So, so that's the one that I would say is the most exciting to me right now. Thanks so much, Daniel. This was really cool. I, uh, I hope that uh, news of the world is everything you dreamed of. <laughs> I hope it's not because it kind of feels like bone tomahawk. I don't know if you guys saw that. Oh uh, yeah. Oh Could my be. God! I better not be. I listen. Bone <laughs> Tomahawk was good. Don't get me wrong, but it scared the living daylights out of me like no movie ever has in yeah, my life. Yeah, it's too much. It too was much way too much. So, is it that, or does the shaky cam bring out the best in Tom Hanks? That's another intriguing you know, question there. You know, I think that the, the the comparison I draw it sounds to me like True Grit more than uh, more than something yeah. like it sounds like even down to the it's a it's a you know army guy who needs to take a younger girl across the country so um so i think t- true grit is the thing that's in my brain about it which which obviously got like i believe 10 nominations so um so who knows i don't know maybe it's too close to, to true grit and and where it won't break through at all i don't know i'm, I'm very curious to see how this one turns out well, I thank you for setting the table and joining us and, and kind of clarifying this muddled mess of looking into the future <laughs> for what it is. And obviously, again, you can check out Daniel's work, like we said at the beginning and the end of this episode. Daniel, thank you so, so much for joining us, buddy. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Once again, we thank Daniel for his time. If you want to check out all of his work like you should, you can listen to the outro of this episode. It'll be all his information and socials will be there just Mm -hmm. as they were in the intro. For the remainder of this episode, Mike and I are going to go through uh, the rest of the year, essentially. The schedule of all the upcoming films that are slated for release right now in 2020. Uh, They're going to be a little overlap. We're going to try to avoid as much overlap as we can with what we just talked about with Daniel, but there might be some. So uh, let's get it going here, Mike. In terms of January, February, I got like two, three maybe. Mm -hmm. Emma from Focus Features, we've previewed it a couple times. It's at a limited platform release. 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, those scores came in. The meta score is a little concerning, 66 meta. Anya Taylor-Joy, Bill Nighy, this one went limited on the 21st. Yeah, we said this probably isn't an Oscars contender. Maybe a a costume thing. We like that it's Jane Austen, but yeah. Yeah, but maybe. maybe Hopefully, yeah. yeah, Hopefully, man. We have uh, interesting. uh, But likely, man. (laughs) We had we just had an interesting crossfire there. Yes, we're trying to get our reviews down to these monosyllabic (laughs) grunts because we've been going too long. Otherwise, the Invisible Man, Michael. I really can't wait as well. I think we're going to try and review this as a movie event, but should we put the title OSP on there? Elizabeth Moss is doing great work in the trailers. We're going to talk about another horror movie upcoming in this calendar year here where I'm going to have the same review. It's another female-led horror movie, and my take is going to be, 
boy, these people have mountains to climb if Tony Collette and Lapita Nyong'o couldn't get nominated for the work they did in the last two years. Very true. Very true. They're a little biased against yeah. horror movies these days. Are they biased against Peter Pan movies? Well, they might be biased against Peter Pan movies with a 58 Metascore. Yeah. Wendy, coming from Sundance, is going to be released on the 28th of February. Ben Zeitlin, probably not an Oscars movie, but I'll mention it just the same. There's another Peter Pan movie coming out this year, later in the year. too. I don't think it has a release date yet, but it's like the prequel. I don't even know if it's a Disney movie, but... That's enough with the Peter Panning. That's enough. There's a lot of Peter Panning <laughs> yeah, going on. I'm tired of you know, forgetting Neverland, finding Neverland. We, we got it. Cinematic history yeah. is, you know, flooded with Peter Panning. <laughs> All right, the way back. This is Ben Affleck playing an alcoholic basketball coach. Trailer looked good in terms of his performance. It's relatable content for him, and he's doing a great job of marketing it. I, I mean, great job in quotes because it's kind of sad if you read the story. But he just came out. Collider covered it. I think it was a New York Times, New York Post article that came out today. Re his recap of why he left Batman, and it had a lot to do with his drinking and trouble in his marriage and alcoholism. Right. And so this character seems to be kind of a mirror of what he went through in that period so if it, i could see there being some kind of relatability if it does help him get through it yeah and, and helps him grow a little bit we're rooting for that who knows maybe it's a just a bona fide oscar yeah, performance could be. we'll see for ourselves on march 6th also on march 6th we have pixar's onward this seems like a legit animated feature possibility writer director dan scanlon of monsters university tom holland chris pratt julia louis dreyfus octavia spencer and ali wong michael and monsters university when we did our pixar rewatch is something we both kind of had appreciation for that got a little panned on release not a lot of people loved it as much i mean i know it wasn't the best pixar film it was better than what got nominated that year, right right that, and we were saying it got snubbed yeah but Sorry We Missed You is a BAFTA nomination for Best British Film of the Year. It has a BIFA Best Screenplay nomination for Paul Laverty. Can Palm Dior. Can Palm Dior <laughs> nomination as well. So this has already racked up a bunch of film festival and indep independent awards. Yeah. IMDb has it as a 2019 film, so I'm not exactly sure what it's being considered as. This is a Ken Loach production. Diane was just another one of these similar type independent films that debuted across the pond in mm -hmm. 2017 or 2018, but it just came out last year for us. But I, I will be bowled over if this is an Oscars feature. I mean, it seems to have quite the mountain to climb to be considered early release date, already came out overseas, et cetera, et cetera. It should, might do well in the independent circuit. Hopefully, yeah. and another one that hopefully does well, it comes from Kelly Reichert. She is the Bonnie Award winner from this last yes. Independent Spirit Awards. First Cow, which played at the New York Film Festival, it stars John Magaro, who uh, apparently was tabbed by the Ringer staff. They wanted him to play, in a fantasy cast, they wanted him to play a young Joe Pesci. <laughs> okay. If you're going to recast The Irishman and not go raging. Right. I, I mean, that's interesting. I watched the trailer for this. I didn't see that. I mean, young Joe Pesci Maybe didn't jump off the screen to me. Maybe I got it wrong. Yeah. Maybe it was Al Pacino. He actually kind of has some Al Pacino hair. I could see. Yeah, I would, be, I would be signed up more for Pacino than I would Pesci. But I think a young Pesci is just impossible to pull off, period. And maybe that spurred on the entire VFX conversation for The Irishman. Yeah, probably. Speaking of FX, but mm. this may be sound effects, on March 20, 
20th, we have A Quiet Place 2. A Quiet Place 1 was a best screenplay contender, original screenplay contender a couple of years ago. I, I actually just thought it got nominated. So A Quiet Place 2, it looks kind of cool in the trailers, maybe, perhaps? I'm intrigued by it. I think it comes with a lot of worries. I've highlighted those and other when we were reviewing the trailer and whatnot. Anytime you have these big monsters Immediate hiding money in, grab sequel. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> monsters hiding in the dark movies and then you shoot them in broad daylight, you're playing with fire a little bit. It's quite possible yeah. that it'll just be a humongous hit and I hope Blunt. so. Yeah, I hope it follows the first one. Yeah, Emily Blunt's career will just and continue to take off. Not it chapter 2 with just more money and what do we do with it? Okay, now we got two blockbuster contenders that I can actually see getting into the Absolutely. conversation. On March 27th, we have Mulan, production design, costumes, VFX, director Nikki Caro. I'll go so far as to say I'll be surprised at the end of this year if Mulan doesn't end up in either production design or costumes. And even the original score, I don't know if it's an original yeah. score, though, but that, that sounded great. Those Agreed. trailers were impressive. And No Time to Die, you would think Billie Eilish... Best original song. That's a contender right off the bat. I was looking, doing a little research, uh, pre-rec research, I guess, on James Bond's the series of all the films. The most Oscar noms any one James Bond film had was Skyfall, which had five. It ended mm -hmm. up winning two. Obviously, the song is best remembered from that. But other than that, The Spy Who Loved Me from 71, I think, was the second most nominated James Bond picture with three. You're getting a lot of VFX in terms of practical yeah. effects that might uh, play on the Academy, play on that branch in terms of a nomination. I would expect it to get shortlisted at the very least, top 10 at the end of the day. And it's the Craig Bonds have been the most seriously taken Bonds yes. as epic films or action adventure pieces or whatever. So well, there's not a pussy in the title <laughs> of these movies. So. Right, right. They, they, being a little kinder to women too, I would agree. Yes, oh than the, the the franchise has been historically. So, sure, you could see the case being made that this could sneak into a couple categories if it lives up to its merits. Yeah. Heading into the middle of April, you and I are extremely Can't excited wait. for Carrie Mulligan, Bo Burnham from director Emerald Fennell. Great trailer for Promising Young Woman. Yeah, look, if Hustlers didn't get by, then I highly doubt this movie's going to get by the Academy and save up to muster. But that said, this is my most anticipated film of the first half of 2020. I can't wait. We're going to have some stylized favorites this year. Yeah. Just the, 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 the production design in this movie, the costumes, I, I love it. I love a horror movie that is something different. You got Last Night in Soho coming up later. You got this one. Yeah. And in the same vein, you have Trolls World Tour, <laughs> which could be a Best Animated Feature uh, nomination, Look, perhaps. people forget. We don't say this lightly. People forget that Godforsaken, Can't Stop the Feeling, that song that was played everywhere at nauseum and was probably only outdone by Pharrell's happy song, mm. that Can't Stop the Feeling was made by Justin Timberlake for the first Trolls movie. And it was an Oscars nominee for Best Original Song, so this could be a multi-Oscar-nominated film, Trolls World Tour. Trolls World Tour. <laughs> Might be multi. <laughs> it could Oscar be. There's nominated. a world in which it happens. Unbelievable. On uh, April 24th, we have Antebellum. This is a horror movie we pre previewed a couple times from Janelle Monet, starring in that one. So this is the one I was referring to when we just talked about Elizabeth Moss. Yes, Janelle Monet. I expect to be spectacular in this because she's been spectacular in everything lately. But these horror female leads have this gigantic mountain to climb in the eyes of the Academy, where they have to now outdo what Tony Collette did and what Lupita Nyong'o did in. Uh, hereditary and us respectively 
Will the VFX streak from Marvel continue? They have their first shot at it on May 1st with Black Widow, starring, of course, Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, and Rachel Weisz. Gun to your head. Does Iron Man show up in that? In a stinger scene, post-credits, anything? Somebody's going to show up in that. Does Iron Man? Because this would be the first, like, real prolonged MCU look without any Tony Stark, if they could resist. Samuel Jackson's going to show up in that. <laughs> I, don't know I if agree. Iron, I, I would think Hawkeye would show up. Because they, well, yeah, because Iron Man didn't meet, yeah, it seems like they first met only in Iron Man 2, so you could be right, yeah, could be. The Personal History of David Copperfield, this one had a BAFTA nomination for Best Casting, Armando Iannucci is the writer, director, Dev Patel, Tilda Swinton, Hugh Laurie, five beef wins 75% Metascore, Michael, coming out on May 8th. Yeah, this seems to be, as long with uh, Woman in the Window, which you're going to talk about coming out the next week in a moment, this seems to be no doubt Oscar contenders, and yet my... I have red flags all over the place because of the release date. Absolute, absolute. Three card Monty they're playing. Yeah, they, they moved it around. It's one award season for right. one continent. It's right. another award season for another continent. Now that said, Copperfield being reviewed well right now on all the sites. I think it's got like a ninety-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes for the critics that have gotten to it so far. So. Costumes. Yeah, screenplay. Certainly. You could see it. Yeah, absolutely. If this is a funny adapted screenplay of the Charles Dickens book, yeah, perhaps it might it might have some legs. I'm, I hope so. Greyhound is written and starring Tom Hanks. Written by and starring Tom Hanks. It also stars Elizabeth Shue hmm. coming back. Wow. And Stephen Graham, one of our favorite, uh, you know, under-the-radar actors of For this sure. past year from The Irishman. It's a, it's a war movie. During World War II, a U.S. Navy skipper must lead an Allied convoy being stalked by Nazi U-boat wolf packs. We've been saying for a little bit now... Tom Hanks, let's you know, reach down, you old vet on the mound here in Game Six of the playoffs, and throw something. You know, show us you still got that ninety-five on the black that you can throw. Is this something, or is this one of those direct-to-video Bruce Willis movies that we've been seeing coming out? Right, lately? considering I haven't heard of it until you spoke these words just now, <laughs> I'm guessing it might be that. But he also does have something in he's later on in the year, and that it does have some hype behind it. So maybe this will be a Tom Hanks Renaissance year, hopefully. On May 15th, we do have The Woman in the Window starring Amy Adams, doing a great job in the trailer, Julianne Moore, Gary Oldman, Jennifer Jason Lee, Joe Wright directs, Tracy Letts is the screenwriter. So if we go with the analogy that we talk about films as if they quack like ducks and walk like ducks, is there another film this year that could sound like a duck, have the silhouette of a duck, and yet when it's when the cover's pulled back, it reveals that it's just a dog that learned how to quack? Yeah. Would any film surprise you more to be that, fit that, if it wasn't this? This one's mooing like an Oscar <laughs> duck or barking like an Oscar duck. I mean, yeah, all the elements right. are there, but it might be a dog that got out of the shed, you know? Test screenings did not go well yeah. for this film. I think Disney did a strong job this past award season with those Fox Searchlight movies. They got a couple of them into the Best Picture, nominated field. They did very well, and this was the one they bumped. Interesting. Very, very interesting. And the trailer looked decent. Looked intriguing. It looked fun. It looked like it gave away too much information. Like they, For people who know the source material, they say it gave away all the information. Right. Was the criticism. That's right. So, we, took, we went over that on yeah, MOW. Yeah. So we'll see. I, like I said, my, I have red flags about that in the Copperfield film. I like talking about these best animated features because I like going to see these. <laughs> the SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run, on May 22nd. Any chance? No, <laughs> I can't see the Academy <laughs> nominated as SpongeBob. But that, yeah, I, I think this is a movie that might be tailor-made for MMO more so than Oscars, real Oscars. 
<laughs> okay, on uh, June 5th, we have another blockbuster that we hope could crack through. Yeah. I mean, we had Patty Jenkins as a Best Director candidate. We had the first Wonder Woman as a Best Picture candidate mm-hmm. a couple years back. Wonder Woman 1984, of course, stars Gal Gadot, Kristen Wiig, Pedro Pascal, Chris Pine. At the very least, these VFX are stunning in the trailers. Only one DCEU film so far has gotten an Oscar nomination. That was the Oscar-winning Suicide Squad, which won for hair and makeup a couple years ago. Would it surprise you to see that Wonder Woman 1984 lives up to the hype? Not at all, especially on the heels of what the first one did, and people were clamoring to have that first one be Oscar-nominated in a couple categories, and Patty Jenkins did get recognized at a couple of the precursor shows, so that was nice to see. So maybe the dues have been paid with this franchise, so to speak. So if this one can live up to what the first one started out doing, we could have that superhero DC coming through here. Kristen Wiig's Cheetah. How close does it look to Rebel Wilson and Cat? <laughs> Are they frantically under the radar doing the VFX all over again? Trying to undo it all? It just looks so close. Well, there could be something big in that, too, with that character, because we said off the first trailer, there's obvious sexual tension, right? Between Kristen Wiig's character and Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman character. Or you're fantasizing hard. Could be. It's a distinct possibility, <laughs> but I think easily it's, and hard. And if we're if we're talking about how the Eternals, which we're going to touch on in a little bit, is, is mm-hmm. going to have the first MCU same sex kiss, maybe DC beats them to the punch. That'd be something. Uh, the antagonism involved. I don't know if they'd go that route. I don't either. With you. I don't either. I mean, that's playing with fire in a way. Yeah. but Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Soul Michael, this is the second so film second film from Pixar in the spring. This is rare for Pixar to do two spring mm-hmm. movies. They're a little close to one another. I almost looked at that as like a red flag. You know, we got a March see, onward. Yeah. We got a June Soul. We don't really have much else coming out from Pixar this year. I think they're leaving things open for, you know, Disney animated studios later on in the year for Raya and the Last Dragon, I would guess. But Soul seems to be a legit best animated feature contender. So, of the two of them, I guess Soul kind of makes more sense release date-wise, because Pixar, Summer, something to satisfy the kids while they're out of school. I think that makes sense. So, I, I agree, it's it's a little bizarre. And maybe that means Onward is the one that's not living up to hype? I don't know. It could mean Onward's not doing it, or it could mean Onward has more crossover appeal because nerds like me in particular could be fantasy nerds want to go see it spider-man and uh star-lord teaming up there to play trolls yeah all right we have judd apatow coming back with the king of staten island this is not starring like all of his buddies no this is starring marissa tomei steve buscemi pete davidson this is interesting i'm very very excited for this one so judd apatow has this way in this history of working with people he doesn't necessarily work with often and kind of they're they're a-list comedians and Mm -hmm. he finds a way to make them very humane and make them very relatable and make them seem very vulnerable against type he did this in train wreck with amy schumer say what you want about amy schumer maybe nowadays but when that movie came out it was a big deal Mm -hmm. and people saw her in a totally different light uh he did this with adam sandler and funny people it was hit or miss but he still the attempt was there to kind of paint adam sandler and seth rogan i would argue in lights that they weren't normally seen in so he's capable of doing this somewhat successfully, if not overly successfully. If he could do that for Pete Davidson, who's already on the cover of everything, and is already at 21, 22 years old, is bigger than his SNL role, and bigger than pretty much anything he does, 
it could be a huge deal and it could propel him to superstardom and propel this movie to kind of Oscars prestige. I do agree. I, I'm waiting for Judd Apatow to break through yeah. the Oscars because he's been dancing on that fence with a couple of movies. I think, or at least he shows glimpses and right, moments right. of I movies agree. that feel Oscar-y in terms of our built-in gauging system right. of Oscar movies. I got to come up with a term for that. <laughs> our Oscars this, lens, if you will. Oscars lens, that's interesting. <laughs> Oscar, Oscar bifocals, there perhaps, because I'm an old soul right. when it comes to these Oscar this movies. This is just turning into us losing our vision <laughs> mike over under two hours and 20 minutes on this over. thing over it's i looked up long. funny people it was 228 and <laughs> i remember thinking it was too long in the moment uh yeah though that said i don't think this is going to be an oscar movie if you had to, if you were pressing me for a prediction right now but i am excited and south by south by uh south by southwest the, that festival down there in austin uh picked this to open its film festival cool i think that means something i think it does I hope it does. Yeah, I, I, I hope so too. I, I'm rooting for Judd Apatow. All right, uh, we have In the Heights coming out on June 26th. This is the Lin Manuel Miranda adaptation of his first musical, I believe it was, to, from director John M. Chu of Crazy Rich Asians. It stars Anthony Ramos, Stephanie Beatriz, Corey Hawkins, and Jimmy Smiths. Is this going to be up for everything, or is this just going to be a crowd pleaser that does not get over all these other musicals? We don't know. I'll put my chips in it right now. I'll be shocked if this lands up with less than like six nominations. Hmm. I think this is going to be a monster. I think uh, you and Andrew already talked about this uh, on our last episode that we released where where he was saying how this one's already getting kind of the push. They had these the characters there at the Oscars this year already promoting it. I think there is a worry that for whatever reason, there's so many musicals that are big budget musicals coming out this year that you, there is the risk being run that the Academy may just have fatigue with the genre this year and they may cannibalize against each other this west side story there's like one or two other ones that are big ones coming mm -hmm. out the prom the prom is another yeah so i that wouldn't surprise me to see but when manuel miranda disney's behind it i i i would be very surprised if this doesn't do very well academy speaking just the production design alone yeah. in, the, in the trailers are it's pretty phenomenal and the cinematography there too on July 10th, we have Ghostbusters Afterlife, and I'm hearing buzz for VFX, or at least I'm reading a lot of people putting this in for VFX. Look, they say it looks good. Don't worry about VFX or Oscar nominee. Just get the goddamn thing right. <laughs> just all have right? a good movie. Yeah, just have a decent Ghostbusters movie and stick with it. I'm with you. <laughs> On July 17th, we have Christopher Nolan's Tenet. John David Washington is acting the hell out of yeah, those previews. Robert Pattinson, Clemence Posey, Elizabeth Debicki, Michael Caine, Himesh Patel, Kenneth Branagh, and everybody pretty Broadcast, much yeah. in yeah. Hollywood. We're going to say that a couple movie. times. A couple uh, movies have everybody in them this year. <laughs> like we said, we're going to have to disqualify the year of 2020 from Six Degrees of MMO. We're obviously going to be covering Tenet very much in depth. We're huge Christopher Nolan fans. I just think right now it's worth saying and reminding everyone that as far as paying your dues, being one of those Oscar uh, or Academy precursors to winning, mm -hmm. Christopher Nolan has five nominations on his resume, no wins. John David Washington was probably wrongfully left off the best actor list for Black Klansman two years ago. Right. Probably should have been that fifth nominee and he was overlooked. So this one has a lot of those narratives that the Academy always likes to push forward and reward going for it already. And I always like a big movie that shows a, a preview and 
you have no idea what the plot is. Because I have no idea what's going on in this. It is fun. It is fun <laughs> to go into a movie like that. Yeah. And, you know, Inception did very well nominations-wise. Yes. And so did the Dark, the Dark Knight from mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan. Obviously... Dunkirk won a bunch, yes. at least for the technical side of things. So he's got pedigree in his crew, at the very least, as a technical nom. They're scaling up the building for VFX, practical effects there. Who knows? I, I hope that's a monster. I really do. What we just saw, the August or July release this year that I was pounding the table over, that you know, yeah. and everyone said the reason Once Upon a Time in Hollywood fell was because it was released in the summer and not at the end of the year. But it would be cool if we had a June movie Agree. be a major Oscar yep. contender and then one of these two July movies most likely... Because the other one is the French Dispatch. This is Wes Anderson's tenth film, starring Timothy Chalamet. Everyone basically: Saoirse Ronan, Jeff Goldblum, Tilda Swinton, Bill yeah, Murray. You listed like fifteen names, and I, my only comment was, "You're missing about seventy-five others." Right. Because I got to <laughs> click on the other thing on IMDb. But yes, everybody is in this movie. You didn't like the trailer. I, I said that I didn't like it. It's just a lot. <laughs> It's, it's a just dense, a lot going on. The Dench trailer, he's trying to get glimpses of all right. these stars. I don't have a clue what the story's about. We just know it's kind of a newspaper, and Timothy Chalamet's got great hair. It's like a Jackson Pollock painting of a movie. Like, you don't know where to look exactly. It's just a lot of things going on. There's a lot of things going on. It's yeah. almost like the uh, the production design of the Isle of Dogs or something. Right, right. It's just garbage everywhere, and you can't still know what to focus on. Or detail, Michael, detail. <laughs> Maybe we need to see it a couple times. But I'm excited for this. I am too. I am too. All right. At the end of July, we have Morbius. Jared Leto is going to be a vampire. We talked about an MMOW. Another VFX possibility here. That would be nice. I'm just hoping this is a successful movie. This could be a big indicator of this and Venom 2 coming up. What is Sony's plan overall Mm -hmm. with the Spider-Man property? We're starting to figure that out, though, a little bit with a guy's name rhymes with Schmeichel Schmeaton. It's <laughs> a terrible joke. Play that one close to the He's best. in the trailer. He's, <laughs> he's in the trailer. He's from Spider-Man Homecoming. Right. So they're mixing it. I'm hoping they don't fumble that and mm-hmm. they have a nice path, nice transition to bring Tom Holland Spider-Man over to Sony once MCU's done it. I'm hoping this all goes according to plan and I'm hoping Morbius... I don't care if it contends for Oscars. I just hope it makes money, like Venom did. A vampire vulture, perhaps? <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Could be. Vampire vulture. Or he just de- devolves into this character from Spotlight. And he's just a human that's a reporter. That's one hell of a thick <laughs> accent for an MCU movie, Michael. Here we go. All right. Full releases are really not set in stone yet. I, I have a couple here. Last night in Soho for the end of September on the 25th. This is, of course, coming from Edgar Wright, Baby Driver, Cornetto Trilogy, Shaun of the Dead, etc. There, Thomason McKenzie and Anya Taylor-Joy star in this. So this is a cast that's tailor-made for us, including one of your favorite directors going. Um, People wondering why we're jumping from the end of July to the end of September. Usually, in recent history, what's been going on with August and September is at the end of August... Or the middle of August, you're going to get a comedy that overachieves. Think mm-hmm. Good Boys, Super Bad, Eighth Grade, one of those. And early September, you're probably going to get a meh horror movie. Think The Nun, It Chapter One, Blair Witch. That's what's been going on in recent years. So probably I would say expect those. Probably not Oscar legs in any of those movies. 
very unlikely that's when we scheduled our Joker character study right. last year. So maybe we can do an Edgar Wright something or other. You Could know, Yeah, absolutely. And it. I think this is a big inflection point for Edgar Wright as well because – it's going to, this could set the tone for, is Edgar Wright a perennial Oscars director now going mm. forward? Or was Baby Driver kind of the exception to his rule? And he's just the Cornetto trilogy guy that can do really, really good comedies. Is he helping himself with the genre here? I mean, this is supposed to be psychological right. horror thriller. I don't know if he's, if, if he, I mean, it's supposed to be like a frantic kind of movie. I hope it has, I, I know I'm saying that with every freaking movie because I yes. do, but I, I sincerely, I hope Edgar Wright is a perennial, I hope the Academy evolves to the point where they see Edgar Wright as an Oscars director. No offense, <clears throat> no offense to a movie coming up in a few sentences here, but if you put all these movies out in front of me right now and I can only click on one to yeah. watch on my streaming device, I would watch Last Night and So. Yeah, you're a big Edgar Wright guy. Big that doesn't fan. surprise me, yeah. On October 2nd, we do have the trial of the Chicago 7. Does this reboot Oscar season after a lowly August? That's how it's been historically recently. I think A Star is Born was the first weekend in October, and that was I, three years ago, the big two years ago. I have no idea how long we've been doing this, quite frankly, Michael. <laughs> Time is a flat circle. But that, October, yeah. I, I bought think... a pumpkin. <laughs> I saw a movie I thought would contend for an Oscar. <laughs> Uh, we had Judy this past year. It was at the end of September. So uh -huh. that's the range, yeah, where you can hopefully get some kind of consistency. I still say there's an even sweeter spot. If my only intent as a studio is to go Oscar hunting, I'm releasing it from the third week of October until the second or third week of November. And that's it. Because I think any earlier or any later, we've seen too many times these things fall and lose momentum. So... We're on the verge, I think, of Oscars country. Now, that said, like we said, we already talked about this. This is Aaron Sorkin, so we expect it to contend anyway. We expect it to be well-written, at yeah. the very least. I mean, he's made some mesmerizing movies. Howdy's Game is so underrated, man. It's really good. I loved it. I, li I listen to it as a going-to-sleep movie now, and yeah. I stay awake for it. <laughs> I think it's pretty darn good. Venom 2 for VFX, perhaps. We'll see. Again, I just... I'd want nothing but good things for that because I think Sony needs to play it careful with how they do Spider-Man. Can I have a little bit better of a movie, though? I know, like, I know the last one was fun. I want a little bit better movie. Yeah, I, I want... think that's fair because yeah. you, do you want to bring in the Marvel Spider-Man into this Venom world? Does right. that work? Is that going to work tonally? I think that's a fair criticism. I think you have to. I think you have to. And I think that's why Michael Keaton is showing up in the... Uh, you know the Morbius. Show. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think that's unfair at all. I agree with you. Well, that was October second. On October 9th, we got a couple of big movies. We got the Witches. I will not be watching this. Starring Octavia Spencer from director Robert Zemeckis, Anne Hathaway, and Chris Rock are it in this. Scared the shit out of me as a kid. Really, the Angelica Houston version. <laughs> and Robert Zemeckis is a madman with effects. He is. I don't want an actual witch to feel like it's in my home next to me. <laughs> Octavia Spencer is getting yeah. some buzz. I love for it. supporting actors. I love it. More. Hard didn't we just ask for this from her with Very Ma true. last year? So, great. I will not be watching this. <laughs> Halloween Kills, you wish. I will be watching this. <laughs> Intently. I also like that they moved the release date back a week earlier. Mm -hmm. Playing on the actual Halloween season here because the 2018 version was such a financial success. They obviously are hoping they can get more milk from this cow. And I think it's a really good idea. Really smart. I wonder if the first week in November they just had bad box office. They saw a huge right. dip and now they really know we better let it play the whole month. 2018's 
sequel, whatever you want to call it, the Halloween 2018 was mm-hmm. released on the 17th. I think it was the 17th, so this one's a full week earlier. I think it's a good idea. Respect, starring Jennifer Hudson as Aretha Franklin, also comes out on the 9th there. So this right now is my betting favorite for the biopic that will leak a picture of its lead in the spring to start its Oscars buzz. Could be. Right? Can't you see that right now in your head, Jennifer Hudson in the makeup and the wig? already kind of did with the trailer. Right, Yeah. But where's the pick that goes viral? That's gonna right, be. yeah. It's got to be her in a microphone, right? That's got They got to include a microphone in a church because we just had the uh, Amazing Grace yeah, movie. Yeah, could be. Yeah. All right. All right. On October twenty third, we have Those Who Wish Me Dead. This is from one of my favorite directors, Taylor Sheridan of Hell or High Water. Uh, he wrote Sicario. This is a murder mystery featuring Angelina Jolie, John Barenthal, Nicholas Holt, Tyler Perry. Give this to me now, Michael. A teenage murder witness finds himself pursued by twin assassins in the Montana wilderness with a survival expert tasked with protecting him and a forest fire threatening to consume them all. Oh, my God. When's the last time you heard Angelina Jolie make this movie? (laughs) This does not sound like an Angelina Jolie movie. Sounds like Sicario. I could see that. That makes sense to me, that, that Taylor Sheridan's attached to this and directing this. Angelina Jolie's got a big couple weeks here, back to back to back. Angelina Jolie needs to be better than that Maleficent movie. Let's oh, I thought you were going to go person. Salt, yeah. But so this, well, I was just going to say, this kind of feels like Salt a little bit. But I it's by it's Taylor yeah. Sheridan. <laughs> I hope Come it's on. not Salt, man. I hope not, too. Pepper, <laughs> coming soon. Give me a murder mystery where Angelina Jolie is fighting off two Kicking assassins. Ass, yeah. Or she's one of the assassins. We don't know. She played a decent assassin and wanted. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm on board. Speaking of Angelina Jolie, on the 6th of November. The Eternals from Chloe Zhao. We have Brian Tyree Henry, Salma Hayek, Kumail Nanjiani, Richard Madden, Gemma Chan also starring. This one could be VFX. This one could break through. Maybe yeah. it, it's just so much more. Could this be... The year after, like, Avengers Endgame, everybody just feels guilty for not voting for that movie. Then they rewatch it on Disney+. Why Plus not, like, right? Wow, that movie effing rocks. The Eternals is good from Chloe Zhao. And we're all about Marvel getting Best Picture buzz again. And Marvel just showed when it puts all its resources behind a movie that shows fair representation of a historically oppressed or underrepresented group, what good that does in the film world, and how much the Academy takes note of such things. So I don't know what The Eternals is outside of having that single same-sex kiss, but if if that's interwoven seamlessly into the plot, that could be a big moment for Marvel overall, and the Academy could take note of that as far as like a best picture ranking goes. Uh, I'm rooting for it for certain. Uh, also on November 6th, we have Stillwater. This is from Spotlight writer-director Tom McCarthy, starring Matt Damon, Abigail Breslin. A father travels from Oklahoma to France to help his daughter, who has been arrested for murder. Doesn't exactly sound like Spotlight, does it? Sounds like Amanda Knox. Yeah, something like that. I'm excited to see Matt Damon. Spotlight is so good, Mike. I just rewatched it the (laughs) other day. It is such a good movie. I'm very excited for anything Tom McCarthy does. In terms of VFX, on the 20th, we have Godzilla vs. Kong. This needs to make money. Never mind contend for anything, because this could be the last mega monster movie that we see in America for quite some time if this one flops. Gun to my head, Raya and the Last Dragon is the winner for Best Animated Feature next year. November 25th. What makes you say that? 
The release date makes me say mm-hmm. that. The beautiful animation makes me say that. I just, I, I, I got a feeling, or is this just in the Frozen 2 kick-ass box office time slot? We reviewed this, didn't we? A preview or something? A picture. A picture. And the okay. picture was gorgeous. Right, 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 right. I do remember. Okay, yeah. Uh, look, I think you're spot on with the release date analysis there. Disney's going to win animated again. That's all I know. Well, Pixar's got, got a couple. Yeah. This one's coming out. Whether it's Disney animation or whether it's Pixar, Disney's going to have another Oscar at the end of 2020. We'll see. We have December moving along, and Dune comes out on the 18th. Everybody's in this, including Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya, Jason Momoa. Denis Villeneuve is directing. Is this also going to be an Oscar film, or is it just going to be a technical marvel? Is it? What is it going to be? Well, it has to be an Oscar film because the entire SAG branch is in it. <laughs> <laughs> so they're all going to vote for it, aren't they? <laughs> if they say you can vote for yourselves this year, we know which movies are probably going to be up for it. It's almost unfair of me to ask because we've seen the trailer for one and not the other, but between Tenet and Dune, are you more excited for Tenet? Are you more excited to see Dune? Which of those two are priority in your mind? I have not seen a good Dune, but I, th- I no. If I if I had to bet, no no question, I'm voting for Tenet. Tenet, yeah, I Christopher that's Nolan. That's the safer yeah. bet, in my opinion. But another movie coming out on the 18th might have Oscar legs. West Side Story from Steven Spielberg. God, this looks so Oscary. I, I mean this. In the nicest way. Mm-hmm. Who's asking for this? I rewatched West Side Story. Mm-hmm. And I didn't love it. Uh, very fair. It's very dated. <laughs> very fair. It's very dated. This, some of the music was terrific. Mm-hmm. And the production design, even back then, was gorgeous. I will say all of that. That being said, it is overlong. Yes. Agree. Is Steven Spielberg... Is this a passion project, or is this, hey, you know what I haven't done in my illustrious career yet that I bet I can do mm-hmm. is a musical. Well, if you had to place a bet as to which he's going for here. We have seen this backfire on some big directors. That's what I'm I'm hinting at here. I could see this being, yes, it looks like an Oscars powerhouse right now. The Jersey Boys from Clint mm-hmm. Eastwood was awful, yeah. in my opinion. Just, oh my God, the music was awful. How did they up the music in that movie and this is a you know a, a spielberg he's awesome right he's one of our most beloved and cherished directors when's the last time he knocked it out of the park you liked the post quite a bit i did i don't think that was a home run yeah i don't think lincoln was a home run daniel day lewis was a home run well i would say lincoln's probably his best his last, best, one his last yeah. best movie i would say anyway we do have another major director from the last 20 years coming back with news of the world in this case, we have Paul Greengrass. This is a Christmas release. He has Tom Hanks starring in this one like he did with Captain Phillips. And there's another captain involved because the premise reads, Captain Jefferson Kyle Kidd, Tom Hanks, in the aftermath of the Civil War, is tasked with bringing an orphan girl to her living relatives across the country. Yeah, and it's it's something to do. He plays a newsman that has to, it's also in charge of reporting the news during the Civil War and how does that happen and blah, blah, blah. Look, I think all the pieces are here. If I were to pitch this to you and tell you that Tom Hanks is starring in it, you would say, oh, it sounds like he's going to come back and, and this is going to be an Oscars vehicle. So this makes a lot of sense to have a lot of hype. Again, though, that Christmas release date for me 
is terrifying. Look what it did to Little Women. Look what it did to all the films that were released that late this year. I am convinced that being released on Christmas does too more late. harm than good for any kind of Oscars chances. It's usually too late. However, we have two full months now. Mm-hmm. That's to true. That date to digest just, it. Yeah. yeah. That's true. And would it, be, would it surprise you to hear that a Paul Greengrass, Tom Hanks movie is an Oscar contender? Absolutely not. I just want that out there in the zeitgeist right now that I think studio pictures being released that want to chase Oscars on Christmas is not a great idea. MMO always has a direct line to the zeitgeist. <laughs> so no problem. It's done. All right, that concludes the list of stuff we know is coming out for certain. Uh, we have a whole list of other movies that we think are coming out in 2020 or should be coming out in 2020 or we have some reason to believe will be coming out in 2020, but they don't have definitive release dates yet. Uh, and also, this is the same show that last year I said that 1917 doesn't seem like it'll come out in 2019 and then almost won Best Picture. So take all these for what they are worth, but let's start, Mike, with King Richard. This is Will Smith playing... Uh, Richard Williams, he's the father of tennis champions Venus and Serena. This is directed by Rinaldo Marcus Green. He debuted this past year with Monsters and Men, or 2018, excuse me. So this is something that I've seen buzz for across the board. Will Smith, best actor, everybody seems to say it. Well, this is pretty much a tailor-made platform for that type of momentum certainly i'm on high alert for it myself but i do worry again last we know or what we know about this is might be a christmas release and if it is i would throw up the red flag red white and water michael yeah leela Nugabauer, excuse me i gotta learn how to pronounce her name she is coming out with a movie starring jennifer lawrence she's a star from hbo's room 104 a star director i love that she's getting a feature film after just doing one property so that's really cool Mm -hmm. brian tyree henry stephen mckinley henderson we have a u.s soldier suffering a traumatic brain injury from in afghanistan coming back struggling to adjust to life back home seems like a serious oscar premise seems like something that jennifer lopez can act like mad in jennifer lopez would be great but this is jennifer, jennifer lawrence, lawrence uh who i just want to see the theranos movie from i don't want her she should be focusing all her efforts into playing elizabeth holmes because i want to see that and i'm a selfish person but i do hear brian tyree henry buzz just in this year in general He's that, finally breaking great. through. This this could be his acting. Yeah, movie. he's been hanging around a lot of big Oscar-adjacent properties for the last few years, so that would be great. Another person who's been involved in Oscar properties, two of them as a matter of fact. What's that you said? You want a period piece with Saoirse Ronan and Kate Winslet? Okay, how about Ammonite? All right. I Ammonite? Should... Ammonite. Ammonite? Ammonite. Ammonite. <laughs> Mike, I need to be more mature. That's what I realized reading this pre- premise because when I think of a super sexy romance and it starts with an infamous fossil hunter <laughs> convalescing by the sea, it just is silly to me. Well, uh, just... This movie could be gorgeous. It could be Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Duh. Part <laughs> duh. But Michael, the infamous fossil hunter, just too bored not to have sex with other people. <laughs> Just I think that's I, the premise. That's the premise. This infamous fossil hunter <laughs> on the prowl for fossils, just so bored in 1840s England. Well, we just saw someone convalesce by the sea, and there was nothing attractive or sexy about it in Little Women. Or the lighthouse. Or, or the, the lighthouse, yes. <laughs> oh, you could go for either one. That's funny. If I were to set that premise up, which would you guess? Macbeth, Michael, from the Coen Brothers. 
Joe Cohen is actually doing this one solo. It's his first oh, okay. time, uh, I think, ever. His first solo directorial feature ever, says Daniel Howard. There you go. All right. Anyway, we have Denzel Washington, Francis McDormand, and Brendan Gleeson. It's unclear how close he's staying to Shakespearean language or if this is going to be an Oh Brother, Where Art Thou kind of movie. We don't know yet. And we don't know where it's set. We don't know if it's going to be set in the Deep South and it's going to be one of those fables that harkens back to the Shakespeare. Spears story, or if this is going full period piece. This is something that already had buzz as soon as it was casted a couple years ago because Frances McDormand just came off her win for three billboards and she signed on to this and everyone was like, oh my god, Frances McDormand and Denzel and the Coen brothers. So it's probably going to sell itself amongst film heads and I would be surprised if that kind of talent doesn't mean it's Oscar nominated somewhere. I don't know if I can handle another straight up Macbeth adaptation. I hope it's not. I agree. The I hope it's not. One, the Fassbender one broke me. Yeah. It's all the whispers. <laughs> <laughs> of the whispering of the elevated language. Speaking of people it. that might whisper, how about if you're hanging out in Nightmare Alley from Guillermo del Toro? A corrupt con man teams up with a psychiatrist to trick people into giving them money. A remake of the 1947 film starring Rooney Mara, Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett. I've heard some detractors already saying kind of like, I just read stuff. I read all of the uh, Oscar predictions and they're like, well, this movie's probably not his Oscar movie. It's just like a genre film. Are they here in Scuttlebutt? I don't know. Bradley Cooper made a movie with the actual unironic title of Midnight Meat Train Decent. (laughs) So I think he's going to be okay under the tutelage of Guillermo del Toro. French exit, Michael. Michelle Pfeiffer, Lucas Hedges, the premise reads, an aging Manhattan socialite living on what's barely left of her inheritance moves to a small apartment in Paris with her son and cat. Riveting. What? (laughs) Sorry. This this? could be great, but they moved to France. Is it rope? Is that the premise? It's just hanging out. It's a it's an entire picture within four walls. That would be interesting. This was a great episode of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. But oh, what? There you go. Maybe the that's son all it is. And the cat go. All right. France. And Lucas Hedges. French exit. Lucas Hedges kind of took 2019 off, so he's due to be in every film coming up this year. I hope he was a good human being and just because he acted in like everything. Right. I know he was in Honey Boy, but yeah. I, I hope he, he got some time to just be be cool. Be Me too. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Director George C. Wolfe did the Henrietta Lacks Oprah movie on HBO. Mm-hmm. Chadwick Boseman, Viola Davis is going to be in this. This is about the queen of the blues, uh, Ma Rainey, who makes a record in uh, in a studio in Chicago, 1927. Tensions boil over over her white agent and producer, the bandmates. That's the premise. There's a lot of commas in that premise. Yeah, it seems to be a period piece that's obviously focusing on the racial struggle that the people have to deal with. Uh... I was going to say back in those days, but also today, 100 years later, so that's nice. Mob Girl, and why is Jennifer Lawrence doing more movies that isn't her playing Elizabeth Holmes? She's doing a movie for Paolo Sorrentino. This could go any which way. (laughs) (laughs) The Great Beauty. I mean, he's done a bunch of movies since he did The New Pope. A mother living in New York's Lower East Side becomes a mafia informant for the FBI, my God. that's She played a version of a character who does that in American Hustle, essentially. Mm. Uh, that's what that character kind of developed into. She had a great character role in that, my God. Oh, she so good. That, that movie deserved more awards. One of my favorite Jennifer Lawrence or Lopez performances. <laughs> Nomadland, again, from Chloe Zhao. We heard Daniel talk to us about this a little bit. So Frances McDormand is a woman in her 60s after losing everything in the great 
recession embarks upon a journey through the American West, living as a van-dwelling modern-day nomad. How is this different from About Schmidt? It's female. <laughs> I, I guess. I mean, this, it sounds like About Schmidt, but with Francis McDormand. The father is next on the list. Florian Zeller. We have Olivia Coleman, Anthony Hopkins. This was another Sundance hit. I meant to ask Daniel about this. But 87 Metascore already. Uh, basically, a man is aging. His daughter, I'm guessing Olivia Coleman, trying to help him you know, transition or whatever, and he's going out of his mind, and the performances are great. Are we Anthony surprised? Hopkins playing with Olivia Coleman is going to be something fun to watch between the two of those immense talents going back and forth. That'll be awesome. Four good days, Michael. Rodrigo Garcia of Albert Knobs reunites with Glenn Close, and Mila Kunis, in, in this instance, oh, wow. joins them. A mother helps her daughter work through four crucial days of recovery from substance abuse. Wow. So times two this year. We have Glenn Close, Hillbilly Elegy, playing a foul-mouthed grandma. Yeah. She's got grandsons doing drugs. Now we have her, the mother of Mila Kunis, who's apparently you know, recovering. You wonder if that's going to be held against itself, if she's playing too many of the similar... Obviously, they could be vastly different di dynamic characters, so who knows, but if they are similar, if that'll play against each other. I still say... Her time is coming with Sunset Boulevard, and that'll be when we finally get to give Glenn Close her long-awaited Oscar that she should be getting a second one of. How you doing, Academy Queens? <laughs> the Humans, Michael! Director Stephen Karam of The Seagull! There it is. The Seagull, the <laughs> Brian Dennehy starring vehicle. And Saoirse Ronan. Yeah, I, I, I really like that movie, actually. It was I, strange. You were the person who saw it. That's good. I somewhat like that movie. I said, <laughs> now it's the memories you are flooding. You and the Dennehy family. Beanie Feldstein is starring in this one, and it's like downtown Manhattan. The Blake family gathers to celebrate Thanksgiving. Darkness falls outside the crumbling building. Mysterious things start to go bump in the night. So I thought it was just going to be like, a, oh, hello, New York, you know, happy movie coming-of-age type thing, and it looks like it's kind of a horror. And it might be a horror movie. That'd be nice to see Beanie Feldstein play in a horror movie. That'd be kind of cool. I'm, I'm all for that. Don't know if it would have Academy <laughs> legs, but I'm interested to the see The director of The Seagull yeah. is doing a horror movie with, with Beanie, Beanie Feldstein. Feldstein. I don't That's know That's like a Mad Libs right. type. <laughs> all I know is this is late in the day when we're recording this, and there's too many phrases in these sentences. Palm Springs! <laughs> director <laughs> Max Barbacow. What this a is, name. This is another Sundance hit. 83 Metascore, Andy Sandberg, Kristen Milioti. Mike, this one seems like it just charmed the pants off a lot of people. It sold for a big number at Sundance. I think it was Hulu who bought this. I'd have to. I didn't do the research, but I, I know it went for like 14 million dollars. The the rights were purchased for, which was the the record for either Sundance or for the studio. I can't remember, but this, like you said, it went for a big number, and people are expecting a lot of good of it. But the caveat being, the biggest films that have sold for the most money lately at Sundance have kind of not done well in All theaters. Right. Lately, lately, we'll see. I mean, call me by your name. Get out. They were big hits back back in the I'm talking about the ones that are sold for the most amount of money. True. I mean, the biggest, Late Night is a great example of that. It was supposed to be this big Oscar vehicle last year. That yeah. just didn't do well. Britney Runs a Marathon can add that on there as well. On the rocks, Michael. Sophia Coppola. Rashida Jones, Bill Murray, Jenny Slate. The premise reads, a young mother who reconnects with her larger-than-life playboy father on an adventure through New York. So Sign me up immediately. If, all right. But if this starred Scarlett Johansson instead of Rashida Jones, would that just be weird, I guess? It'd be found in translation. 
found in translation. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Rashida Jones, been waiting for a vehicle for her that can get some Oscar legs. Sofia Coppola, been waiting for you know a, a movie that can break her back into the Oscar conversation. I'm hearing a lot of buzz about this. I'm reading a lot uh, about this as well. What? word attached to Bill Murray in terms of a character he's going to play would be more appealing than Playboy. <laughs> Larger than life Playboy Bill Murray character. Yes, immediately. Put my name on the dotted line. I'm I will in. pay any money for a ticket. I agree. I'm in. True history of the Kelly gang. George Mackay looking ripped after <laughs> all that running around in 1917. This has an 84 meta score already. We have the director of Snowtown, Justin Kurzel. Of course, this is based on the outback story of Ned Kelly and that gang, Peter Carey's novel. This has gotten a ton of buzz. You know, from this late 18th century story, has never really been done quite well. Heath Ledger took a stab at it. I've seen a couple adaptations. I don't know. I'm curious with this one. George Mackay, I think that's the right way to pronounce it. It's like George Tuckai. And we have him just bulked up on the, on the, the post. Kumail Nanjiani school of get fit 2020. Uh, I'm going to call him McKay. So that's, that's what I took out of that whole rundown. Vendetta from Paul Verhoeven. So somebody's going to be having sex. There's going to be boobies in this yeah. and, and heinies. And oh yeah. Erotic visions. There it is. <laughs> uh, that's the Paul Verhoeven. I know probably all we need to say about that. Apollo 10 and a half, Michael. Richard Linklater. Is this coming out this year? We don't know. It's a coming of age story set. Which in means suburbs. it'll probably win best picture. Houston, Texas, in the summer of 1969. Why is he so fixated on 1969? Age of innocence, man. Centered around the historic Apollo 11 moon landing. Could be cool. Still not over Apollo 11 getting snubbed by the documentary feature brand. 3,000 years of longing. So this was the strange follow-up from George Miller, Mad Max Fury Road director, writer, all the Mad Max movies. Tilda Swinton, Idris Elba have been in love with one another for 3,000 years. Kind of like you and me. Come on, come on. Joaquin Phoenix movie, right? I mean, do we need to say more? He just won the damn Oscar. Do you, you think know. he takes it easy on the next couple roles with the monkey off his back? I don't think so, because this is from Mike Mills, who made Beginners, who made 20th Century Women. Both of those movies were extremely engaging, movies that you really want to study. And this one's about an artist embarking on a cross-country road trip with his young nephew. But that... That can distract you from this movie being something that is, is, has a lot to it. Beginners was Christopher Plummer, right? Yes. That's what he ended up winning the Oscar for. And Annette Bening was awesome in 20th yeah. Century Women. After Yang, as we get down to the bottom of the list here. So Koganada made a great movie called Columbus. And John Cho and Haley Lou Richardson just, you know, it was a showcase for them. Was it about Magellan? It was not. It was about... <laughs> I forget what town. Oh, Columbus, Ohio. Oh, my God. <laughs> what town? So, I think it was about Cleveland. <laughs> I am shot right now. I'm just shot. This has been a long day. But look, I mean, this film follows a father and daughter as they try to save the life of their robotic family member because this, Michael, is a sci-fi movie. And the last movie was very grounded. It was like this perfect indie movie, right, with Haley Lou Richardson and John Cho just walking and talking. It was beautiful. We have Colin Farrell here. We have Jodie Turner-Smith coming off her role in Queen and Slim. We have a sci-fi movie from Koganada. I'm into this. We've seen recently a movie that was a sci-fi that dealt with like reincarnation. I can't remember what it was. You hated it. I thought it was decent. Mm. Where the old lady comes back. 
I did hate that what one was with that? John Hamm. Yeah, I cannot remember it for I the don't want to remember me. that. Okay, fair enough. But Ask- my point was, we've seen sci-fi, that type of sci-fi movie actually go extremely low budget and have some critical acclaim attached to it. So it, it is possible without having to, to go uh, big money. Speaking of things that are probably will be big money, we have a couple other movies in the works that we don't know if they will be released this year or if they will be released sometime after 2020. But the two biggest ones of those, we have an untitled Paul Thomas Anderson film and we have the untitled David O. Russell project, which we've talked about with Christian Bale, Michael B. Jordan, and Margot Robbie attached. I would like to see one or both of those come out this year. Yeah, they can definitely crash the party and be huge contenders that, like Daniel said, we may not know everything out there at this moment, and uh, I could totally see the, you know, the, the prestige of those directors being able to, you know, crash the Oscar party here. I'm still, lo- oh, Marjorie Prime That's it. is the movie. Yes. I said yes. all of that. I don't remember anything I said because I was looking for the title <laughs> Marjorie Prime. You're a true podcaster. <laughs> just say words until the air is filled. Uh, uh, just as a reminder as what also Mike and and Daniel from the Nomcast did our last episode we released. They went down the list of the upcoming Netflix films that could be contenders, maybe contenders, and some expected to be, like Hillbilly, Elegy, The Prom, Rebecca, Mank, Crip Camp, Dick Johnson is Dead, The Willoughby's, Blonde, I'm thinking of ending things to Five Bloods. Uh, that is the list there that we think could have Oscar legs. So this was a jam-packed episode, Michael. Mm. Uh, we want to thank, once again, Daniel Howitt for joining us. You can find his work from the Screeners Podcast and Next Best Picture. Anywhere else on the internet you can follow this man, Mike? Follow him at HowittDK, that's H-O-W-A-T-D-K on Twitter. You can listen to Daniel's work at ScreenersPodcast.com. Like we said at the beginner and we do beginning or the beginner... We do recommend you guys follow at ScreenersCast on Twitter. We do recommend you read Daniel's work at NextBestPicture.com and all the, the great people who write for Matt Neglia and company over there. Uh, it's, it's really cool that we've been uh, getting so many awesome experts to come on. He is a member of the Nevada Film Critics Association over there. He's out in Vegas. Like, so jealous uh, about that. Like you are jealous about, but I, I, do, I would fear you being at least sheltered in Vegas. You would just not have home or shelter. I applied to UNLV's law school. Oh, no. And I never got a letter back. I'm convinced my father (laughs) took it out of the mail and just didn't send it because of reasons we're discussing right now. Good. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Because this podcast wouldn't be here because I'd be a man with no kneecaps. That's right. Guys, as always, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your comments. Specifically and sincerely, what are you looking most forward to? Kind of that question we ended asking Daniel on. If you had your pick of any of these movies yes. we previewed, or maybe something we didn't mention, what do you want to see most right away and, and as soon as possible? What do you think could be the next Parasite? What blockbuster do you think has the biggest Academy legs? Let us know. We want to hear from you, as well as any thoughts you have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire. You could leave us those thoughts, comments, questions concerns we are mike mike and oscar on facebook mike mike and oscar on instagram at mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available everywhere you hear podcasts if you happen to be listening to us right now on apple Podcasts or through your iphone if you wouldn't mind going on the apple podcast app that little purple square with the white how it sticking out of the middle of it. Sorry, Daniel, I couldn't think of anything. Uh, tap on that. Type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar into the search. Tap on our cartoon logo and scroll down once to leave us a five-star review. Michael, 
2020 is pretty much set, right? The table is almost set completely. So what are we going to do with it? And then give us some words of wisdom to end up. Well, we have a part three to this year in preview series. We are going to make our 100% accurate prediction. Hell yeah! For next year's 2020. Place your bets! 2021 Oscars. I know a guy in Vegas right now. He'll take them. Michael, then, and only then, Will the table be set yeah. and you guys can be ready to go to the movies as much as we do because we got a kind of slogan, you know, about this whole thing. It is. Watch movies with it. You know, listen, it's wise to follow everything Daniel Howitt and the screeners and Next Best Picture, you know, get after all of his stuff on the internet. Uh, he does a great job at his podcast and writing for Next, Next Best Picture there. You know, we I just found that article. I mean, we were friends on, mm-hmm. on Twitter kind of deal. He, he's done some Six Degrees with us. Yeah. But I read that article. It really, it was it was so cool. I thought he just really crystallized what I was hoping for in terms of next year's Oscar lineup. And we just reached out to him. And he's like, yeah, totally come on. So that was really cool. And it's, uh, it's wise to just kind of, be social too i was just we just reached out to something people. we're learning slowly we're learning slowly, after a couple surely, years <laughs> we're getting these expert guests on we're having a blast doing it. yeah uh co-sign everything you said daniel was a great guest and uh, truly that that is an enjoyable read specifically that article he does other great work too but that article if you want to go seek it out you can go find it on our social medias and certainly his as well otherwise guys when reality sucks you can come watch these movies and even look into the crystal ball of the future with us because we are mike mike and oscar trying to make awards mark season. mike and oscar well one of us should have an R in our names, but we're Mike, Mike, and Oscar. We try to make award season year-round without the R's and without the stuffiness, and we will see you all very soon. See ya.